0: What is a soul anyway? Carlo Broussard, next. Hello, and welcome to Focus, the Catholic Answers podcast for living, understanding, and defending your Catholic faith. I have to admit, this one comes from me. I wanted to have this conversation with Carlo because I struggle with the idea of the soul, because I think this is the way my brain works. It works in images. I got to have an image for the thing. I got to have an analogy. And the soul is immaterial and it's very hard to come up with any image that works and doesn't just break down and give you the wrong idea about what a soul is. So I thought, Carlo knows these things, let's invite him in and ask him, what is a soul? And here's what Carlo had to say. Carlo Bruce, archeologist here at Catholic Answers. Thank you. Hey, Cy. Si. I have to say, I think this is a tough one. I think we've given you a tough one, and yeah. I, I anticipate thanks a lot, Bud. Yeah, that I anticipate struggling a little bit with this because uh, the soul is. Um, it's just a very difficult topic. I mean, yeah. it, 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 and so, but you're, uh, the the proper person to study the soul would be what? The philosopher or the theologian? Those, or those the philosopher. The, the philosopher. Right. Okay. And so that's, that's you. Of You've... course, the theologian
1: can study it as well as informed by philosophy, but further informed by divine revelation. Uh, but it's pretty high level uh, philosophy. Yeah, it is. Because I, you're automatically... Going outside the boundaries of empirical observation yeah. and and uh, so, you know modern science, the methods of modern science.
0: Okay, so here's the, here's my first difficulty with the soul: is that when you speak to someone about the soul, either you get incomprehension. I don't really this, like a blank stare. Yeah, with the <laughs> what? Um, or you get a kind of image uh or or a, a way of speaking about the soul that can't actually be the soul for example the the ghost in the machine right. you know the the poltergeist that's, that's maneuvering that's, the body that's or maneuvering the body that little man in the
1: machine right yeah right. i often think of like uh avatar remember the movie avatar yeah right. get in the big machine you know and the guy's in the machine yeah it's like walking around shooting the gun
0: but that's not what a right. soul is a soul is not an external reality or... Individual
1: substance in and of itself distinct from the body. Like these are two... It's not that it is some individual substance in and of itself that's distinct from the body so that you have two things there that happen to be accidentally joined. In the person but rather it's a principle as we're going to see in our conversation here it's a principle of the human being that with the body makes one individual substance one individual thing right right okay uh and that, it's hard work uh to get there because yeah. it's it, go ahead yeah in order to understand the human soul we have to first take a step back and just understand soul in general
0: and what is a soul so you're you you're saying then there are non-human souls yes i am okay all right but
1: just wait a minute because (laughs) i don't want anybody listening or watching to begin going into making false conclusions here but it is true yeah there are distinct kinds of souls Mm -hmm. as we're going to come to see in our conversation here Uh, but we have to sort of unpack this stuff
0: Okay, so um, so the, 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 um, the soul, however, you use the word principle, and we're gonna get to that, the, yeah. is the principle of the thing. Okay, so w- if there are non-human souls, who's, who's, got a, who's got a soul, who doesn't got a soul? Like, <laughs> right. What's got a soul, what doesn't got there a soul? There
1: you go, great question. So okay. we could start with just some, something as mundane as a rock and a plant. Yes. Is there a difference between the two? Yes. And if I ask a seven-year-old kid, and I'll ask you, si, <laughs> that's how, And I can answer
0: seven-year-old questions, most of them.
1: What is this, like, what would you say is the essential difference between a rock and a plant?
0: The plant is alive.
1: There you go, right? And I think any seven, eight-year-old kid can get that. The plant's alive. The rock is not. Oh. So if we think about that, there's something to the plant that makes it a living being Rather than a non living being, right? Some principle, right? Yes. A principle is simply that in virtue of which, right, the plant is living rather than non living. Yeah. And so that principle is a life principle. It's a first principle of life, as St. Thomas Aquinas identifies it as. Right, okay. And that principle of life, that animating principle, that in virtue of which the plant is living rather than non-living? Yes. That's simply what St. Thomas Aquinas, following Aristotle, calls a soul. Okay. So it's as simple as that. Soul is basically the word we use to describe
0: that life principle in living things. Okay, so is the life principle of the plant then part of the physical universe, or is it not part of the physical universe?
1: Well, that's a very interesting question. St. Thomas Aquinas actually addresses this because St. Thomas asks in the Summa Theologiae when he's talking about the soul, he asks whether it's a body. Is it a corporeal thing? And St. Thomas answers in the negative. He says, no, it can't be a corporeal physical thing in the physical universe because, and here's his reasoning. If the soul, which remember is the life principle of a living thing, it's that in virtue of which something is alive. Yes. If the soul were a body or a corporeal thing, if the soul were a physical thing, then every body, every physical thing, the rock, say, would be a living thing. If the soul were a body. Okay. And the soul is the life principle, it's that in virtue of which something is alive. Then everybody would be alive. Everybody, like every physical thing, would be a living thing. Right. But surely not every physical thing is a living no, can, thing. The right. rock's not alive. We already said the seven-year-old can discern that. that. Therefore, St. Thomas Aquinas aclu- concludes the soul, whether we're talking about the soul of a plant, an animal, or a human, that life principle of a living thing is not a body, Aquinas concludes. It's not a physical thing. And so, in other words, it's non-corporeal. It's not something you're going to be able to identify, empirically observe within the physical universe. And so now, as I said at the outset of our conversation, we're beyond using the methods of modern science to try and discern or detect this life principle, what we call the soul, whether we're talking about plants, animals, or human beings. And so it's incorporeal. It's immaterial. Now, that does not mean that the soul of a plant is going to be able to exist once the plant dies, or the soul of the non-rational animal is going okay. to be able to continue to exist once the animal dies. Yeah. That's another question that we would have to investigate, and I think we're going to try to do that in, an- in another episode. Yeah, yeah. But when we're talking about the nature of the soul itself, like is it physical, is it non-physical, we're able to philosophically answer that question
0: and say it's non-physical. And a simple mm-hmm. reasoning, as Aquinas lays out. Okay, so all this is derived from philosophy, but does the Church uh, speak on this? I have anything to say Yeah,
1: about well, it, it's interesting you ask ask that, because the Church has adopted, by way of her ordinary, has taught, by way of her ordinary magisterium, this idea that plants and non-rational animals also have souls. In okay, both so. 1914 and in 1916. Uh, so... In the early 20th century, a group of theologians and philosophers presented 24 theses to the Holy See, uh, to you know the church for approval. And these were 24 principles derived from the theological and philosophical tradition of St. Thomas Aquinas, okay. known as the Thomistic Theses. And the church approved them, not in a definitive or infallible way, but the church actually published them in the Acta Apostolica Satis, the official journal of the Holy See, both in 1914 and 1916, uh, saying that no Catholic can safely contradict the essence of the theses, although they may be expressed in different ways. Okay. But as far as the, yeah. what, what they're getting at, yeah. no Catholic can safely contradict them, and also that they were safe and directive norms for theology and philosophy. So the idea that a plant has this life principle, what we call a soul, or that the non-rational animal, Fido, has a soul. What we mean? A life principle. This is something that the church has taught at least on the ordinary level. So okay. we can say that not only can we know this by way of philosophy, but this is something the church has sort of put her official approval on, not in an infallible way, but official nonetheless.
0: Okay, so if what if I were to ask you then, uh, so the the rock doesn't have a soul, the plant has a soul. Yeah. What is the soul actually doing for the plant? I, is is that the right way to ask it? I mean- Yeah, like, you could ask like, it in that way. What's What does the soul do? What, right. what does it provide to the plant?
1: Well, to answer that question, we have to sort of get back to this understanding, of, uh, the next step in understanding the nature of the soul as the form of the body, Okay. of a body, whether we're talking about the plant, the animal, or a human being. So um, St. Thomas Aquinas teaches this following Aristotle in the first part of His Summa Theologica or Theologiae, uh, Question 76, Article 1. And even the Catechism of the Catholic Church adopts this philosophical framework, conceptual framework, to try and describe the soul as the form of the body. So the Catechism states, for example, in paragraph 365, the unity of soul and body is so profound that one has to consider the soul to be the form of the body, i.e. it's because of its spiritual soul that the body made of matter becomes a living human body. So it's talking there about the human body and the soul being the form of the human body, but we can also apply that principle to plants and non-rational animals as well. So a soul is the form of a body. Now, form is just a word that we use to signify... That which makes a thing to be the kind of thing it is, a plant, an animal, or a human being, right? So, for example, let's look at the table here. Yes. All right. We notice that, I guess this is wood or whatever material this is.
0: (laughs) Wood (laughs) or some kind of petroleum (laughs) product, I don't know. Let's (laughs)
1: just say it's wood, right? (laughs) Yeah. So we we notice that there's matter there. It's made out of something, right? But the matter is put together in such a way that it's a particular kind of thing. Okay. And so we say the matter has the form of a table. It's yes. not a plate, it's not a fork, it's right. not a spoon, it's not a cup. So form simply signifies or, or right, is right. that organizational pattern in virtue of which the matter is, is what it the is. kind of thing that it kind is. Of it's thing constituted. That it is. And okay. that makes it to be The kind of thing that it is so that's form in general so you got the matter the stuff right and the form which makes the stuff to be the kind of thing it is okay in this case the table now a soul is a form okay but of a living thing okay making it to be the kind of living thing that it is okay so the soul of a plant makes it to be a plant not a horse, not Cy Kellett, not a rational human being, okay? Right, right. And yes, you are rational.
0: Sometimes. The soul,
1: <laughs> the soul of Mr. Ed on the old TV show series, The Talking Horse, right? The soul of Mr. Ed makes it to be a horse, not a plant, not a human being. Right. The soul of Carl Broussard makes me to be a human being, not a plant, not a non-rational animal. Okay. So notice how a soul is a form, thinking of yeah. the form of the table here, making it to be the kind of thing that it is. Right. But it's particularly a form of a living thing, making that living thing to be the kind of living thing that it is, yeah. a plant, an animal, or a human being. So the soul that, like once again, the soul of a plant and forms the matter to be the matter of a plant. Yeah. The soul of a lion and forms that matter to be the matter of a lion right to be the to be matter that of a lion the soul of a human being makes the body the matter to be that of a human being you see mm-hmm. so notice how the soul is not only the life principle that in virtue of which this material stuff is organized in a way to be a living organism but the soul also is the form of the matter making it to be the kind of living thing that it is to be that it is okay. whether a plant. An animal or a human being. By contrast, m- when a plant dies, that matter no longer has the soul of the plant, right. and so is no longer that matter of a plant. When a lion dies, yeah. the matter no longer has that life-animating principle to unify the matter to be a lion, and so the matter is no longer that of a lion. It's, w- it's, it's taking on some new form, whatever yeah. that form may be. We may call it a dead lion, right? Sure, or sure. Or we may say a and corpse. call it I... a dead plant or for a human being, a corpse. But that stuff that matter...
0: It isn't the lion anymore. It, it isn't, isn't the, the lion anymore.
1: anymore. It's not grandma anymore, Yeah, right? right. Uh, if we're at a funeral home, we say it's grandma, but that's just a way of speaking about it. Right. But that stuff is no longer grandma because the life-animating principle that unifies the matter to make it be a human being right. is no longer present. And so the matter is no longer that of a human being. So we can kind of get a further grasp on the soul, understanding it as a life principle when we sort of contrast matter without the soul. Right whenever the soul is no longer present, whenever you have death of a living organism, whether it's a plant, an animal, or a human being. So this is what we mean when St. Thomas Aquinas and Aristotle and the Catechism, even paragraph 365, talks about the soul as the form of the body and also a life principle. The soul is basically, in summary here, si, yeah. that that life principle in virtue of which a living thing is the kind of living thing it is okay without that soul without that principle right you don't have a living thing and you don't have a kind of a living thing you have something else you have a different kind of thing that's so, gonna be no longer alive
0: but it's not uh, like a mark against me as a thinker that this uh, is very difficult in in uh, like I, I, I suppose my difficulty is that I can never generate a mental image of the soul but that's because a mental image is always a mental image of a physical thing. It's always that. It, the
1: imagination uh, from which the mental image would come yeah. is bounded, restricted, right. limited within the boundaries of physical reality, right? Right. So, therefore, something that goes beyond physical reality, guess what? You ain't going to imagine it, brother. <laughs> you can't.
0: Yeah. It's kind of yeah. like trying so. to
1: trying to think of a mental image of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Guess what? You ain't going to get there, right? So
0: this is something I can reason about without being able to imagine, which and is you can very come to uncomfortable know it without imagining. But many people will say it's look, because I can't imagine it, it's not real. I mean, I think that we easily make that jump like, well, you're talking about nothing because That's right. W- I have no image for it, therefore you're talking about Well, to
1: say that because I can't imagine it, therefore it's not real, you're assuming that only physical reality exists. Yeah, right. And that would be a form of reductionism, physical reductionism. Okay. So that would be a philosophical assumption that we would would challenge and say, well, no, uh, we can show that non-physical things exist. And so, therefore, just because you can't imagine it, that doesn't mean it's not real.
0: Okay, so I, I know in a later episode we're gonna talk about, you talked about grandma in the funeral home, and there's a certain yeah. way in which she's there, but she's not there. You that know, but, no, but
1: notice, I didn't yeah. say she, I said that stuff in yeah, right. the, what we call the body, yeah. right? It's no longer a human, Body because it's not, matter, yeah. it doesn't have the soul anymore. Uh, but we might say grandma's laying there, but that's just our way of speaking about
0: it. So, but what we'll get to in a later episode is is where is grandma then? If, yeah, okay, but uh, is grandma's soul continuing to exist? Yeah, right. right. What about Fido's soul? That's what I want to. <laughs> oh, is that in this episode or next episode? Next episode, okay, okay. Yeah. okay. So, um, the the So which is dependent on which, though? Is the body dependent on the soul or the soul dependent on the body? Yeah, that's actually
1: a good question. And this leads us to our next point that we can talk about if we have some time here in our conversation. Yeah, I think we do. And that is, what what are some important implications of understanding the soul as the form of the body? Yeah. Right? Right that in virtue of which a thing is the kind of thing it is. So what are the implications? One of the implications, sigh is what you just brought up, namely that there uh, the soul and the body, whether we're talking about the plant, the animal or the human being is not on equal footing because it is the body that is dependent on the soul in as much as for that matter to be the kind of thing that it is it's the soul that's making it to be soul. So it's the matter that's dependent upon the principle of the soul for it to be the kind of thing it is. Okay. So the soul is primary in corporeal, well, in living beings, right? The soul automatically entails bodily beings because this actually brings up an interesting point. Although we talk about the soul kind of like being immaterial, a soul by nature is ordered to animate, Right to form a body. So if we compare like a human soul to an angel, right? Well, we don't say angels are souls because even though they're pure spirit and they're immaterial, they're not by nature ordered to animate material stuff,
0: uh, yeah, right? Right, right, So, An soul, angel's not missing its body. That's right. Soul it, right. only
1: applies to corporeal living beings. All right, right, so that was a little side note there. But the soul is primary, And the body, whether a plant, animal, or human being, is secondary. But that's one implication. But there's even a more important implication. And that is the understanding, getting back to our initial, like when we started our conversation with, that is the soul is not some separate substance from the body as if they were two distinct things that are accidentally joined.
0: Okay, this is the part I have to keep reminding yeah, myself of. But yeah, but
1: rather that the soul and the body together make up one single thing. So the question becomes, well, how do we know that? How can we think about this? Well, if we follow sort of the lead of St. Thomas Aquinas and understanding the soul as the form of the body, remember, the soul as the form of the body makes that body to be the kind of thing it is, right? Yes. Okay, we established that. Right. Now, here's the next step. Being the kind of thing it is, like something being what it is, also entails having certain powers, certain functions, certain activities that go with...
0: Being that sort of thing. Being
1: that sort of thing, right? Yeah. So... If the soul is the... So let's just think of like a plant. What does a plant do? A plant takes in nutrients and grows. What does an animal do? I'm talking about a non-rational animal here. The, it's going to do what a plant does, take in nutrients and grow, but it's going to also have sensory activities, sensory powers, self-locomotion, be able to move itself. A human being is going to be able to do all the stuff that plants do and animals do as far as taking in nutrients, growing sensation, locomo- self-locomotion, but also rational knowledge and love, right? Yes. So if the soul is that which makes the thing what it is, and since being a particular kind of thing involves having certain powers and activities, well, then it follows that the soul is the seat of all the activities of a living thing. You follow me so far?
0: Yes, okay. So soul,
1: principle that makes the thing to be what it is, yeah. being what it is entails certain functions right therefore the soul is the seat right sort of the ground the principle of all of the activities that the thing is doing the plant is taking in nutrients so the plant is growing the lion is seeing the human being is knowing the soul is the seat the principle of all of those activities of the thing you follow me so far got it now here's what saint thomas aquinas does he zeroes in and focuses on the vegetative and sensory powers and activities that plants, animals, and humans all have, right? Because we're corporeal beings. So we have vegetative power, like we take in nutrients and we grow. You got it, okay. yeah. We have sensory powers and activities. We're seeing, we're hearing. But the plant doesn't. But the plant doesn't, that's Okay, right. that's what I was confused yeah, that, <laughs> about. Yeah, Okay. I, I misspoke there. So yeah. we're, we're kind of going up the ladder here, right? Right. Oh, hit the microphone there. And then of course, um, so, Human beings have sensory activity as well, but what I should have said it like this: vegetative and sensory powers belong to bodies, respectively, of the kind of thing it is. Yeah. Right. So human beings, animals, and plants all have vegetative powers. Only animals and human beings have sensory powers. The bottom line is that those powers and activities are rooted in the body. They're they're, they're they belong to the body. These are bodily functions, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, if these powers and activities are bodily functions. And we already saw how the soul is the seat of all activities, which would include the bodily activities, then the soul is the seat of those bodily activities, all the activities of a thing. Think about this. The activities are coming from one thing, right?
0: Oh, yes, there's a principle. There's one
1: thing that's acting. The plant is growing, the lion is seeing, the human being is knowing, right? So if the soul is the seat of all the activities of that one thing and all those activities, uh, some of those activities are coming from the body, then these bodily activities are flowing also from the soul. The point being is that these activities of plants, animals, and humans, whether it be vegetative or sensory, are coming from both body and soul. That's the link I was looking for there. I see. So, so they're coming from both body and soul, right? Right. But here's, and here's the next step. These activities are flowing from one thing. So one thing is performing the single action, plant growing, and of course, we can look at the, all the other actions. Right. Uh, lion seeing, human being knowing, okay, uh, or human being sensing as well because I said knowing a while ago, but that's an intellectual activity. So the human being seeing as well. Well, if these activities are flowing from both body and soul, but it's activities of one thing, well then guess what? Body and soul together- or one thing. Make up one thing. The soul is not some distinct separate thing, and the body some distinct separate thing that happened to be joined together. Rather, these are two principles. These are two aspects of one subsistent reality, one substantial being. What does that mean? One thing, to put it frankly, Right. right? And all of these activities, in this case, the bodily activities, vegetative, sensory, flowing from that one thing that has both body and soul. Right. So the soul as the form of the body is making that matter to be what, it, what is. it is, and the matter and the form together, the body and the soul together, constitute one thing. And so this refutes the idea of the soul being sort of this distinct separate substance like the little man and the machine, right? Right, it's or not. the poltergeist right. maneuvering the body. No, there's one thing that's, that's acting, whether it be the plant, the lion, or the human being, but it's the soul and the body together that makes up that one thing that's
0: the source and the seat of of all of those activities. Okay, so that being the case, when the plant dies, uh, let's just keep it at the level of the plant for a moment. When the plant dies, the soul is not part of that one thing anymore. Right. Where does the soul of the plant go?
1: Well, the soul of the plant remains with the plant. Oh, you said the plant dies. The plant dies. Okay, I was thinking a part of the plant being cut off. Well, that, the answer to that question, will be determined by whether or not the soul of a plant can continue to exist. Okay. If it could continue to exist, and this is going to be something we're going to have to look at in another episode. Okay. If it continues to exist, then it would be continuing to exist. It would be a part of reality, just not physical reality. But if it doesn't survive the death of its body, and when a plant dies, then it would go out of existence. It would no longer be a part of the community of real beings. It would no longer be a part of reality. It would cease to exist. It would be annihilation. And the same line of reasoning would apply to animals, non-rational animals, and rational animals like us, human beings. Mm -hmm. And that's something we're going to have to look at in another episode. Uh, But that gets to the question of whether a soul continues to exist once it's no longer united to the matter, animating the matter, making it to be the kind of thing that it is. And I'll just give you a little sneak peek. Yeah. The conclusion we're going to make when we talk about this next time yeah. is that only the soul of a human being continues to exist when it's separated from the body. The soul of a non-rational animal, Fido, say, the soul of Betsy the plant here,
0: <laughs> yeah. okay, that's, we'll that's no the name now exists. forever. Okay, yeah. <laughs> will
1: no longer exist. Yeah, whenever these living organisms die. Yeah. Now, that's just an assertion. Of
0: course, we have to defend that claim. But we'll do that next but time. But we'll do that next time. Yeah. Okay, uh, and, and I, I just want to, the, the if the, this intimacy of soul and body as one yes. thing, bad things can happen to the body. Like it can, it can lose parts, it can lose capacity. When that happens, does the soul lose something as well? Do you see, It's like, say I lose my hand. Right. Okay, so the this. Part of the capacity of the soul is to make it possible for me to grasp things. Right now, it can't do that, at least on one side. If I lose one hand, yeah. What's the effect of those kind of losses to the body? Right of the soul, and I, and I think this would have particular implication for people who have uh, organ transplants. Yeah, you know, I have somebody else's heart. Do I do I have part of their soul? He's the answer I'm
1: would saying. be no, because okay. there are certain there are certain ways in which Parts of the material body can be subsumed into the life vivifying power of the soul of the living organism. Oh, I see. So, some things are going to be able to uh, fall under that category, some things won't, right? So, you might have some part of a body that might be able to be subsumed into the life animating principle of the soul, other parts not, right? If your head, yes. if you lose your head, that ain't going to work if you try to put it back on, right? No way. But maybe another part could. So that's a little bit more complicated and philosophically in trying to analyze that. We can know that it is the case because we can empirically observe the fact that some parts or subsumed into the life-animating power of the soul. Some are not. Somewhere, right. How that works, we might be sort of looking into the darkness of mystery there, yeah. uh, but that goes a little bit far beyond what we can talk about here. But that it is so, we do see it
0: to be the case. But is that when the body is diminished, is the soul diminished, in other words? In
1: some ways. So this gets okay. back to sort of analyzing the various powers that are rooted in the soul. So if certain powers are exercised right utilized and actualized in and through bodily organs if they're absolutely dependent upon the bodily organ then if the bodily organ is defective or destroyed then the power will no longer be able to be exercised so the power of sight you ain't gonna be able to see if your eye gets damaged right,
0: right. And if you
1: lose an eye uh and so this gets back to how the powers of the soul relate to the various functions of the, the bodily functions of the living organism, right? Right. But whenever we get to human beings, it gets a little, it's unique because, and this is something we'll talk about next time, there are certain powers of the human soul that although in some ways are dependent upon bodily organs, right, they also have... Other ways in which it is not, such dependent. as intellectual knowledge. Whenever we're using the intellect, whenever we're knowing things, there are some ways in which the intellect is dependent upon the brain yeah. and upon proper bodily functioning, because we're using images. You were talking about images while well, yeah, right, image imagine something, right? Well that's according to St. Thomas Aquinas, following Aristotle, they're called phantasms. We're gonna conjure up images, but then the act the intellect begins to act on those images. That's the stuff. And then the intellect begins to act on those images in a way that goes beyond the boundaries of matter. And so, because we're dependent in some way as rational animals in our intellectual knowledge and power, whenever the brain's malfunctioning, our intellectual capacity is going to be limited. Right. Right. But we can know philosophically that we can do some things that aren't entirely dependent upon matter. And so therefore we're able to conclude, now these are just assertions, not proof, we're able to conclude that we, the, the, the rational soul and the intellectual life of the soul has a life independent of matter. And if that's the case, well then when the matter goes, that life, that life will be able to continue to exist. And then you get into the questions, well, could it even function in it, even though it might have the powers, could those powers function independent of the body? And then the answer would be yes, from our perspective. But then the question becomes, would it function naturally or would it function, have to function supernaturally? Yeah. And those are some complicated questions when we're getting into the weeds here, Yeah. Uh, but it's really good questions and fun to try and answer.
0: Yeah, it's fun to talk about the soul. It's very, uh, it's, it's so helpful. Um, uh, it requires a certain commitment not to rely too much on images, but to have to reason it yeah. uh, f- uh, separate from those images. Yeah, re- so
1: it can get cerebral, right? Right, very much so, yeah. And it can right. be a little heady in trying to think about this stuff, but just always remember the starting point, rock and plant. One's living, the other's not. Yeah. What makes the difference?
0: The soul. Yeah, and that was my contribution, <laughs> uh, the seven-year-old contribution. <laughs> Thanks for trusting me with that, by the way. You're welcome, so. Good job, Carlo. Thanks. Thank you, brother. Personally, I find it a little bit comforting that Carlo says it's not an intellectual deficit on my part that I can't conjure up an image of the soul that is satisfying, because there is no image of the soul, an immaterial reality that will get to it and not lead us at least somewhere into an error about the soul. So we have to think philosophically about the soul. Fewer and fewer people seem interested in doing that, but it is important work. Our world becomes increasingly soulless as it becomes less interested in souls, as it becomes less interested in spiritual realities, and more and more convinced that it's just the material world that is real, all the rest of that is um, you know, uh, fantasy or conjecture or that kind of thing. If we know about our souls, we know something very, very important about ourselves and about the rest of reality. So I'm looking forward to the next conversation with Carlo when he explains why human souls are immortal. I am all in favor of that. I'm really looking forward to that conversation. I'm Cy at your host. We'll see you next time right here, God willing, on Catholic Answers Focus.